Hi, everyone. This is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Tuesday, February 18th, 2020. Got a great podcast in store today with a couple of guys that uh, I know fairly well that uh, we spent some time at CES. Um, as everyone who likes to listen to my podcast um, can attest to, is that I'm always very interested in talking to different technology ingredient players. Uh, because I think it's very, very uh, instructive in terms of where technology is going and some of the hard work that um, the ingredient technology firms are doing to bring really compelling and innovative products to market. Uh, and with that, I've got on the line a, a couple of folks, uh, Jeff Bader and Raj Tulluri, uh, who are two executives with uh, Micron. And some of you may know who Micron is because Micron obviously has got a strong, they've been around for quite a bit of time. They've got a strong legacy reputation with some terrific innovation in the storage and memory field. But uh, with that, let me introduce Jeff and Raj. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Raj? Thank yeah, you. Thank you. So, guys, before we go into this, you know, I always find it very helpful to talk a little bit about, well, first of all, let's talk about your respective areas in terms of what you guys cover, specifically from a roles and responsibility uh, area in Micron. But then I want to, you know, dive deep in some of the areas that Micron uh, is focused on. So first and foremost, uh, let's start with Raj. Raj, talk to, you know, you, 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 know, I, you and I have had some colorful conversations that uh, we were at the Economy Conference uh, a few months ago in um, Half Moon Bay, and then we kind of chatted at, uh, at CES. Let's talk first and foremost the areas that you cover at Micron. Yeah, Mark, uh, great, to, great to be on this uh, call with you. So at Micron, I'm responsible for uh, essentially memory and uh, storage, which is DRAM and NAND that goes into all the mobile devices. These are like smartphones and tablets and so on. Okay. And uh, how about you, Jeff? Yeah, and similarly, uh, I run our embedded business, which uh, which is responsible for, for all of the micron product line that would go into uh, the automotive applications, industrial applications, and the consumer electronics uh, space. First and foremost, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the areas that micron is uh, well known for uh, because first and foremost, I think a lot of people who are in the technology space, I think have a pretty good understanding of sort of the major technology um, players in terms of ingredients. And, you know, you obviously are an ingredient player, but first and foremost, you know, let's talk about, you know, the, the, the smart home, you know, that's an area that I cover very closely. You know, obviously Micron has a position in that market with some of the technology that it brings to the market. When you look at the, when you, when Micron looks at the smart home, and I'll tee this question up for you first, Jeff. You know, how do they look at them? Uh, you know, what it, from a strategic standpoint, how do they look at the uh, smart home, and what are some of the, the the technology trends that they like they like to leverage in terms of you know uh, you know maximizing Micron's value proposition to take advantage of some of the big trends that are going on in the smart home? You know, what's Microsoft's point? Uh, Mic Micron's point of view. Uh, well, thanks, Mark. Uh, again, I think um, you know if you take it up one level from that question, even. You know, mm -hmm. the areas that we're particularly interested in in terms of how they're having an impact on uh, memory and storage are the applications of uh, artificial intelligence machine learning that are being deployed right. you know, uh, in every segment, including smart home. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, in that space, we are very focused on sort of those leading edge applications uh, that are beginning to deploy uh, that type of intelligence, again, out to the edge. Uh, and along with it, the compute and, and memory and storage footprint that's required to go run that, those kinds of capabilities. Um, and, uh, you know, probably the, the, the single biggest market right now in that space are all of the smart speakers. Mm -hmm. um, 
that have come onto the scenes uh, recently. And I think, you know, probably the most interesting thing, it's a very interesting market. Obviously, it's, uh, you know, big growth potential. It drives, you know, content there in the home as well as cloud content, uh, which uh, we're also a big provider for. Mm -hmm. But uh, beyond that, it's uh, what I really view the value has come from the smart speaker is really sort of taking the friction out of the smart home. Mm -hmm. right? It's become integration hub for how you get your lights to talk to your speakers, to talk to your, uh, you know, door locks, and to talk to your garage door. That was, you know, beyond hobbyist level of investment to make all that stuff work together in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, and really through intelligence in the cloud and in the, and in the devices, uh, it's really taking that friction out of it. So that's, to me, is the exciting thing about that. And, you know, the observation I was, you know, making, and I think you bring up a good point, Jeff, is that I think the way most people define, you know, what the smart home is, is by the smart voice assistant products that are out there. And, uh, you know, removing the friction is a big, big deal. Um, having the right technology and, and storage and, and, and capability that allows you to do that in a very non-latency oriented manner is really important and really go to that whole issue about removing the friction that I think uh, that consumers find so compelling to perform various usage models that are smart home oriented, uh, maybe, um, you know, whether they're, you know, uh, you know, automating their lights or their, their, their uh, different devices in their, in their uh, home. Um, Raj, from your perspective, you know, when you look at the, the, the smart home, you know, how do you think uh, Micron comes at it, you know, from a strategic standpoint? I mean, we've obviously, you know, you obviously you've got technologies, ingredients that play in that category. But there is anything unique that Micron sees in the smart home that they think they can, you know, to, to kind of, you know, kind of jump on Jeff's point that you think that there might be something there that, um, you know, Micron brings real value to? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a few things we do well at Micron. You know, one of them is, uh, you know, we make extremely low power um, mm -hmm. you know, memories like LPDDR, which is, stands for low power DDR. And uh, many of the devices at smart home sometimes end up being battery operated or end up being in small form factors. And uh, we have an advantage there in, in the technologies we do. And we also have a wide variety of products, you know, not just uh, one size fits all. So whether it's uh, you know, Alexa device or a big screen TV or, or a door lock or whatever your smart home devices, we have multiple configurations of products that could uh, definitely help. Mm -hmm. And uh, and as as Jeff was saying, you know, the, one of the key things in most of these applications is really the ability to do AI and machine learning at the edge, so you can recognize the voice and so on. So in those kind of cases, having a, a very close um, connection and a tie and interface to the processor that's actually doing the processing is very important. And we spend a lot of time making sure that our products are optimized to the processor that's in those devices. Well, and you know, and you guys mentioned the category that's you know obviously going to be very very important um, over the next several years, and that's the autonomous vehicle category. And in that space, obviously, memory technology is very very important because in that category and in that area, even with speeds like five G, and we'll get into five G in a second, but even with kind of bandwidth speeds that five G provides. If you don't have local, very, very fast memory uh, storage capability, it's really hard to really to execute the autonomous vehicle usage model in a really compelling and safe way. So let's talk about specifically how Micron in the autom autonomous vehicle category really you know, stands out. Because I do think it's, it's, it's important. I think a lot of people take it for granted. But having memory technology that's extremely performance oriented is very, very important in that category. Am I right, Jeff? Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Um, 
you know, the, the unique sort of uh, environmental requirements in automotive, um, you know, are already sort of a large challenge that anybody trying to provide into the uh, automotive market has to face. Uh, coupling that with, you know, sort of the huge drive for performance and increased bandwidth to feed that type of local uh, storage and local computation that's happening, that's going to enable, um, you know, essentially the processing of a very uh, large and increasing number of sensors and sensor data uh, there locally in the car, obviously, is, is really important. So, um, so, my, yeah, but so on that point, when you're talking to um, the, the major car manufacturers, what are you hearing from them in terms of, you know, Micron, please give us a memory technology capability that d develops this. Are there two or three must-haves that uh, they just, just looking at the, the autonomous vehicle category that they're asking for? Can we, can we drill down on that a bit? Yeah, I think there's probably two two different areas, right? Again, as uh, was Roger saying, you know, we have a very compelling low power DDR uh, mm -hmm. family of products, uh, and increasingly uh, the the architectures inside of both the sensors as well as in the compute engines inside of, of these autonomous vehicles are moving toward a low power architecture. Again, it's driven by form factor, power, and and really by bandwidth and performance. Uh, almost all of uh, you know, literally any uh, artificial intelligence uh, workload you can imagine, including all those that are going into automotive, are bandwidth limited mostly, mm -hmm. or power, or the combination of bandwidth and power. Right. Uh, and so, uh, anything we can do to drive a higher bandwidth and and lower power uh, is is the critical requirement there. Uh, and and we continue to drive. Uh, you know, we have a very strong uh, low-power DDR4. Mm -hmm. uh, today, we're already, you know, sampling, and, and the, the automotive customers are essentially moving to the leading edge. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're already sampling low-power DDR5 architecture products into these applications today. Right. Um, and well, on the, on the go, say the, the 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 on the storage side of the house, the the big change and the drive is toward increasingly larger. Uh, storage subsystems and centralized storage subsystems. So, so uh, you know, moving to uh, these large sort of domain controllers with with comparatively larger uh, footprints of, of solid state storage uh, behind that is is the other major major trend we see. Right, and and you know, and just not to to overstate it because I don't think you can. And Raj, I'd like you to comment on this: is the the, the power implications, which you've brought up a few times. I mean, whether it's you're in the smart home where you have devices that may not be connected to a power source, you know, whether it's a window sensor, whether it's a, um, you know, some type of independent device like a smart lock, you brought that up before, um, you know, co you know, consumers and customers don't want to keep replacing batteries every 15 minutes, just, just to make a point. They, they, they need to have um, products that have very, very lengthy battery life, and that means that the ingredients in these products have to ha be very efficient from a power standpoint. And, uh, and I'll go even one step further, is that it's not a one-size-fits-all type of um, environment. The, the, the requirements that, you know, your technology, you know, maps to in cars versus smart devices versus phones versus, you know, you name the device, they're all going to have their unique, you know, their own kind of unique requirements from, a, from a, a, um, a latency and from a, a power footprint standpoint. Would you agree with that, Raj? You know, the kind of the, the diversity? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a couple of things, right? I think Jeff highlighted a, a few of them. You know, for Micron, uh, we we have uh, you know we sell you know memory and and storage into many many different markets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, smart home, automotive, industrial applications. Clearly, we have a big presence in mobile. We sell into the servers and cloud and PCs and infrastructure and so on. So we have uh, uh, products that uh, span across the across the gamut of uh, various application domains. And uh, because of that, uh, we have an advantage in uh, in uh, really understanding these applications and building products that are tailored to that. As Jeff mentioned, for example, um, we we have a strong presence in mobile, and power is you know of utmost importance in mobile because you kind of want to make sure that your phone you know lasts a whole day. Sure. And as you start putting more and more memory and storage into that, I mean, I don't know if you saw your users might see that you know Samsung just unlaunched uh, just launched their new Galaxy phones last week in San Francisco, and uh, and the high end of the phones have um, 16 gig, uh, you know, DRAM, and uh, some of them have 512 uh, NAND, and they have five cameras in the back, and they're all using LP5. Right. So you know, just that uh, that drives a lot of uh, performance and low power requirements, and we optimize them for that very you know power sensitive, cost sensitive performance uh, uh, device like phone. And then we are now able to use that technology, you know, in uh, in other applications like cars and IoT and IMM and so on. So that's mm-hmm. the advantage we have as Micron. Well, it's interesting you brought up the Samsung announcement because I was actually there um, last week for the announcement up in San Francisco. And as you everyone knows, they announced not only the the Z Flip, which is a foldable phone, but what I was really impressed with is they announced a new replacement for their their Galaxy 10. They're tw- they're calling it the Galaxy 20. You know, the really high end um, 5G phone, and it's capable of 8K uh, video. I mean, yeah. and 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 to to execute 8K video on a smartphone. You can't have poor performing memory <laughs> in those type of products. You have to have. I mean, I was blown away, frankly, by that in terms. And and it's not just the, the 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 um, the AK resolution format, which is pretty remarkable for a smartphone. They also talked about their zoom capability, which allows them to get incredible zoom for a non telephoto lens type of, type of device. And again, to do that kind of digital photography. Or well, the phrase has become now known as computational photography. You have to have very high performance uh, memory and storage. I mean, you just can't execute that kind of capability without that. Um, yeah, I mean, something that people don't, um, you know, I, I, I think some of your users might know. I came from Qualcomm, where I spent uh, ten years there working on the Snapdragon apps processor. So I'm kind of familiar with uh, what it takes to build these kind of capabilities into these processors. Sure. And I used to work with Samsung quite a bit on their on their products, actually I worked with them and we launched the first 4K one. So it's kind of amazing to see the 8K. You know, what happens, uh, you know, Mark, is that in this kind of uh, phones, you know, one is the resolution, the resolution just, you know, just more pixels and clearly there's uh, a lot more bandwidth you need and a lot more memory you need to do that. But they also put a 108 megapixel camera on that one and they have like, I think four or five cameras in the back. So what happens is um, you first have to process the raw data that comes in the sensor and make a really good looking picture or a video stream out of it. And then you have to apply a bunch of AI and machine learning to kind of detect where are you taking this picture? Is it indoor, is it outdoor? How to do auto exposure, how to do auto white balance and so on. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the video encoding part of it. And then you have to write it to a card and then you have to run the 5G modem which takes a bunch of memory too. And then you need to upload it into the cloud at the same time write it into the card. So are, are the storage. So just the sheer amount of uh, 
of memory and storage needed to accomplish such a thing is just really staggering, and that's why those phones are going into 12 gig and 16 gig and so on. No, it, it really is kind of stunning when you kind of look at where phones were, you know, just five years ago, not even 10 years ago, but just five years ago, the, the, the capabilities of the phones today that are enabled by the technology that you guys bring to market is truly stunning, you know, and I'm sure we'll say the same thing five years from now, you know, when the, the, Galaxy, <laughs> the Galaxy 25 is out. You know, <laughs> you, know, what, um, you know, one thing I want to bounce around a little bit because it's on everybody's mind is, you know, 5G. I mean, 5G obviously is going to be the big I mean, it was, it was big last year. It's going to be bigger this year purely because Apple is going to be in the, in the 5G space. Um, no one knows when, but it'll, it'll, it shouldn't be. It won't be that far into the, into the future. The infrastructure is now being built out. Let's talk about it a bit, and I'd like to tee this up for Jeff, is, you know, how do you think 5G is going to play, you know, from a memory demand uh, standpoint? You know, the, you know, 5G has this kind of aura associated with it. It's going to take some time for... The, the millimeter wave capability to be, you know, kind of get executed properly so people can get those kind of incredible performance levels up and down, especially when you're in a building, you know, that, that's kind of been the big knock on 5G is that if you don't have um, line of sight, uh, you don't get the performance, but millimeter wave will, is, is going to fix that, and the infrastructure, of course, will help with that. But, Jeff, what do you think, you know, when you, when you are, are strategizing within the team at Micron and you guys are talking about 5G. What, what do you think 5G will bring to the market from a Micron implication standpoint? Uh, yeah, and, and we should certainly ask Raj the same question. Because yeah, I will. We always, no, he'll, he'll get a chance. We'll, we'll give him a chance. Yeah, yeah. We'll give him a... No, for sure. Uh, so, so, in, so in our view, a couple of things that are, that are uh, interesting, relevant around 5G. So one of, the, one of the markets that we are in and have a pretty strong position in as in essence an enabling technology for you know the often overhyped Internet of Things mm -hmm. uh, is the machine-to-machine -machine module and the machine-to-machine -machine sort of modem business, uh, and we're you know generally providing uh, multi-chip modules into that market because it's very space constrained, mm -hmm. uh, and we'll you know so as those modem technologies are moving up from uh, their LTE or 4G base. Uh, into the 5G space, and we're seeing that, you know, already in the telematics uh, uh, opportunities in automotive, but we're seeing it increasingly across the, the spectrum of the broad sort of industrial usage usage models. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's really driving an increase, sort of a, a doubling of the amount of memory that's going into that. Now that's a that sounds big, but again, it's a relatively small market. Um, uh, in the grand scheme of things, but it's but we're seeing that sort of increase in the footprint required to feed that that 5G modem now that's going to go start to get eventually sort of into all of these uh, connected cars, uh, mm -hmm. into you know connected infrastructure, uh, industrial uh, you know smart city type applications, and so that those are the that's sort of the path that we see that in. The, the other big important area I think is is in automotive as I mentioned is sort of yes it's interesting from a communications and a the same you know, telematics market to sell into that business but but it's really going to be for automotive and a lot of the autonomous uh, sort of visions from the from the various different OEMs uh, I think 5g plays the core enabling role in terms of how they think about uh, keeping 
you know, maps up to date, sharing sort of the real time sensor data and, and pulling that information out of their fleets uh, and being able to aggregate that and then, then improve sort of the autonomous uh, capabilities of those. So, right. So that's kind of uh, activity there. So, Raj, your perspective on that question. Yeah, I mean, 5G clearly is starting to take off in mobile, right? That's where it's starting uh, because of, um, you know, clearly the phone's getting uh, more and more bandwidth. And, you know, 5G actually, you know, I've kind of had the good fortune of, you know, working in this mobile space for a while through the 2G, 3G, 4G, and now the 5G transition. And clearly 5G is happening much faster than, you know, the 3G to 4G transition happened. I mean, we, we believe, uh, you know, some time ago, I guess maybe earlier in the year, we were thinking there'll be between 150 to 200 million phones launched uh, on uh, that are 5G enabled this year, you know, just for your users in this probably 1.5 billion phones launched mm -hmm. a year and uh, 200 million of them would be 5G enabled this year between 150 to 200, depending upon who you talk to. Uh, and that's a huge number. And we think that uh, in the next few years, very quickly, 65% of all phones will be 5G. And the interesting thing we're noticing when 5G happens is that uh, the densities, you know, the amount of memory that's needed in the phones and the amount of storage that's needed in the phones is pretty much doubling compared to what was needed in 4G. Mm -hmm. And multiple reasons. One is clearly the need for, uh, you know, the bandwidth associated with multiple cameras, you know, things like 8K video, things like upload, download, things like AI and machine learning, really driving a lot of that. And, uh, and also, you know, we're also noticing things like uh, what the content providers are doing, you know, like the Netflixes of the world and the YouTubes of the world. You can just download, you know, entire seasons now, not just one show at a time, you know, in, in 4K today and soon in 8K. At that point, you know, you just need a lot of uh, storage to store that and be able to play that. So we are actually super excited by, uh, by that. But other interesting thing we're noticing is that the use cases that would come with 5G are going to be very, very different, and we probably haven't even seen mm -hmm. uh, all the best use cases that will come. Right. And I mean, just, 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 just in terms of throwing something out there, uh, just, just the kind of things people are thinking about. You know, I was watching. I was at, I think, either Mobile World Congress is one of these shows last year, and maybe one of our customers was showing this concept of a 5G use case. So I'll kind of motivate it this way. You know, if you are someone who watches, you know, sports like football or so on you'll see that nowadays uh, it's quite common uh, to actually, let's say someone throws the ball and the receiver catches it. You get this 360 degree view of that same shot, right? I mean, you can see the camera panning around the viewer. Mm -hmm. Now that happens because they have multiple cameras in the stadium that record at the same time. Right. And this, there's a program in the studio that actually takes all those streams and combines them and makes one 360 degree stream and sends that to your, to your TV or your phone. Now with 5G, what people are talking about is the ability to transmit all those different camera streams independently to your phone or to your TV. And the phone or TV can combine them into the 360 degree view that you want at any point of time. So now the processing of taking these multiple streams and combining them, creating a viewpoint for you is done in the edge device. Right. Now, that is the true promise of what people have talked about for a long time of the interactive TV where you choose what you want to see and mm -hmm. not not the cameraman. Now that use case, you know, if you just think about it, the amount of computational power and the amount of memory and storage needed to do that. It's huge. It's tremendous. It's huge. It's right, huge. It's huge. But the mm -hmm. 5G bandwidth allows you to transmit that many streams at once and that's enabling that. So I wanted to throw that example out there because some of the new applications that will come, we don't even know what those are, but when you build a platform with that much capability, these are the kind of things that will come about.
No, I, you know, Roger, you make an excellent point because I think there are going to be usage models enabled by 5G that we can't even comprehend right now. And it's, it's happened with all, you know, new breakthrough tiers of technology that, you know, we kind of have a sense of, well, you know, it's going to make this better. But, you know, to the example that you just used, and there's other examples like that, they're just sure. usage models that are going to be conjured up. You know, when you get to a point where it become, the capability becomes so ubiquitous that it's commonplace. But, you know, you, you know the, the technology world has proved over and over again. You know, you give people the right toolbox with the right, you know, amazing, you know, amazing, uh, amazingly innovative technology ingredients, and they can do some unbelievable things where even the people who invented the technology will say, wow, I didn't believe, I, I couldn't even conceive that, that this usage model was going to take off. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, like when when we when we did the sorry to interrupt when we did the when we put the GPS into the mobile phones, I was there when we were debating should we do this or not, and who ever, who ever expected Uber and Lyft to you know happen because of that, you know? Yes, absolutely. That that there's there's a usage model that fell right out of that, but you know, in in the few minutes that we have left here. You know, you guys obviously have a very diverse, you know, family of offerings. You've got, you know, you're known for SSD. You've got um, NAND. You've got LPDDR in memory. I mean, you really kind of, you know, run the gamut in terms of a, a very nice buffet approach to technology. I want to talk, talk a bit about, because, you know, I'm an old, uh, you know, product marketing guy. When you're engaging with manufacturers, when you're engaging with companies, the value proposition that Micron brings from a design in standpoint, because, you know, it's, for manufacturers out there, it's becoming more and more competitive out there. Uh, the, 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 the development expense of bringing products to market, you know, it, it's, um, uh, it, it's very costly for companies to bring new products to market. And uh, I'm sure Micron has capabilities in terms of, from a design in standpoint, you try to make design in as, as seamless and as effortless as possible. And I'm sure your partners, you know, would agree with that, um, would, would love that type of, um, you know, that benefit. So can we, let's talk a bit about that in terms of what Micron does to make, you know, the, the, the developer's life a lot easier with the partners that you work with. Can we talk about that for a few minutes? Maybe uh, you, Jeff, you, you want to try? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I can start with a couple things that, you know, um, you know, I think Raj alluded to this earlier, sort of first and foremost for us, right, as much as and as important as we think we are in the world, uh, there isn't a designer, you know, alive today who says, I really want to build an LP DRAM system. Right? <laughs> Nobody <laughs> starts with memory. Right. Right. So, so one of the things that we really, really focus on is working with all of the enablers and the chipset partners in that ecosystem to make sure that you know our products are not just enabled but optimized on those platforms mm -hmm. uh, and are going to perform best uh, and are sort of readily available, you know, attached to those chipsets as designers get to the point where they're going to choose uh, a TI versus a Redisos versus a Qualcomm or NXP or whatever, right? Sure. Uh, so so. We, we sort of partner deeply with those guys. We do joint validation, joint debug. Uh, you know, we, we, we sort of co-work co with them as much as we can. Uh, and I would say the other major thing that we've done uh, probably started in the automotive uh, segment inside Micron, but it's expanded broadly from there, is we've built out a series of customer-facing uh, system engineering labs around the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. um, and those labs were able to bring in those chipset partners, were able to bring in customers uh, and and do a 
wide range of work from sort of the architectural exploration phase through the design review phase through the you know bring up of the platform and the debug or even post sales sort of support kinds of things uh, and that value that we create with them uh, is really accelerating their time to market and they and they see that and really right. appreciate that so those are probably the biggest yeah, things that we yeah it's all about time to market you know those those, those exactly. are the three the three awards that you know are is the music uh, to the ears of uh, the the partners that you work with. <laughs> Raj, what, uh, what do you think um, in terms yeah, of the I mean, kind I of value? Think, uh, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as, as Jeff mentioned, you know, first, uh, you know, definitely working with the ecosystem partners, you know, either Qualcomm's or MediaTek's or Samsung's or, you know, whoever is in the phone processors, that, you know, space, making sure that our products are optimized to their products and together we deliver a value is very, very important. Like, for example, you know, the we just recently announced that we launched uh, LPDDR5, you know, for the first time in the market, uh, we were actually leading the charge along with uh, the Qualcomm processor inside a Xiaomi phone. And mm -hmm. we were actually talking about how, when you combine the processor and the memory, we can enable this uh, 5G use case and this machine learning use case that actually takes, you know, 20% less power than the previous LP4 based one. And, uh, and those are the kind of things we do is to really work with the partners and customers to deliver a user benefit at the end user level that you can actually see. And that's when the technology has has clear value. And you know, just to give you a feel for it, to deliver something like that, the journey actually starts multiple years before. So we, a few years before we saw that, uh, hey, you know, as these bandwidths keep going up and uh, as 5G comes up, um, you know, we won't be able to keep up the needs of the end application for the end user with LP4. So mm -hmm. we start working with the JEDEC to actually define the LP5 standard and when we define the standard and we define the requirements of the standard, the performance of the standard, the power requirements of the standard, then we work on, uh, and together, you know, with, with our ecosystem partners uh, and the customers. And then we execute that over the last many years, and then we bring it to the market, then we work with the partners again, and actually launch it to the production. So, mm -hmm. you know, we do a lot of work upfront and later to get these technologies out. Well, Raj and Jeff, really, thanks for calling in. That's been, it really was a very informative um, uh, podcast, and uh, we've got to do this again. You know, we've got to probably do, we should do this in a few months from now when, you know, 5G and some of the other, you know, marketplace um, trends, we'll start to see more of that later in the year because it'll, it'll be interesting to kind of chat about uh, some of the more compelling things. I, I'm always fascinated with usage models that we can't even conceive of, you know, and we'll kind of tap ourselves on the head and say, wow, I didn't believe, I can't believe that people are actually doing this with the technologies that you folks are bringing to market. But uh, thank you for your time, Jeff and Raj. Um, thanks to the more insights and strategy audience for listening to today's podcast. Please follow us at our usual social media partner, uh, Suspects, uh, which is Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great week. Mm -hmm.